unders, down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri, Art of War, down under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode 139 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. And the race is on to get every single Codex's retrospective done before G-Dub drops the hammer and we tap out from this edition. To that end, I am Choo Choo going straight ahead on that train. And the next on the line is possibly one of the greatest Codexes we've ever seen. Certainly one of the greatest Codexes of this edition. And I have called in the bug specialist himself, Mr. Alex McDougall. Welcome to the show, brother. Hi. Uh, my great pleasure to have you back on. This is like your, I think it's your third or fourth time on the show. So something like that. You should you should be good at it right now. Yeah. Oh crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly right. But anyway, uh, we're here to have a look back at the Tyrion Codex. You will have paid attention last week. We had uh, Mr. Mike Porter on for the Harlequins retrospective. I'm going to be doing the same thing for Tyrion's. Man, do you remember this was literally a year ago? These Codexes came out. It's almost to the to the to the day, Alex. Oh and yeah. Was, that was a wild as hell matter. Yeah, that was nuts. I mean, when this book originally dropped, it was just nuts. And I remember this is one of the weird ones that got leaked really early, like almost yeah. by a month. Yeah. And then there was all this up in the air of like, do we keep the Leviathan supplement? Do we keep Crusher Stampede? Exactly right. Good. Yeah grief that would have been not okay <laughs> oh well, yeah yeah we're, we're, we've been joking in the house for quite some time like is the most broken thing or is is, is the most broken thing ever um the bark star the paladin star from fifth edition or would it have been leviathan supplement crushment stampede the ninth edition tyranids oh, like legitimately I, yep it, it's like it's actually a thing we, we need to ask ourselves um which is <laughs> kind of ridiculous but anyway it was a two-part podcast for those who may be new to us we are uh recording this first part over here for your general consumption you're getting it on tuesday mornings hopefully you're enjoying it enjoying your you know last dying light of ninth edition and then part two alex and i are going to service our beautiful patrons and subscribers and answer a huge amount of awesome questions they've lodged us over in part two and you can find that part two get into the discord get invited and involved with all that awesome stuff by going over to patreon to art of war down under over there there, joining up, jumping in, and hopefully you love your time there. Uh, we do have a brand new Discord that just launched a couple of, about a month ago now, which is bubbling, you know, going pretty strong. I'm very happy with it. I'm trying to be very active in it also. Um, but yeah, hopefully that's a bit of a selling point for you, and hopefully I'll see you there. Alex, tell me about your things. What do you do? In the 40K universe? <laughs> no, no, just in general life. Tell us about your hobbies. Do you like the cook? No, what is doing 40K, mate? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm here as the Tyranid host because of the history that I have with them. Got my third Tyranid-related Best in Faction sitting on the shelf now after LVO. That one means a lot, just, just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> the one the one you got on yourself right now I, I don't know about the last two but that one the one you got this year means a hell of a lot like that is get being number one in the world with possibly the best faction for the majority of that year um well i i did my little snowflake a little bit there um because i did the forces of the hive mind instead of pure tyranids although i wasn't oh. too far away on tyranids yeah oh, so that, that is true who won tyranids uh, that was like a one or two point race between Innes and Lennon. Oh, that's right. And it came yeah. down to like 
who lost later in the event, I in, think. In LVO, yeah. It was it was pretty wild. And they both of them jumped somebody else. Like there was somebody else in the running as well. For me that year, specifically with Tyranids, was I just can't when a faction becomes really popular, mm-hmm. I do not attend the amount of events it requires for me to compete. That's good. That is fair enough. That's this is the way it is. I'm well, I'm not twenty five. I can't go and do whatever I want. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, dude, you're spot on. It actually is kind of wild that uh I mean, I mean, it's the same thing we said for Scary, right? I mean, Scary's got a little bit more liberty because he's uh, in a in a place a bit closer to some bigger events. You know, unlike yourself, you know, Scary can just jump down to Chicago. You know, he's got Toronto on his doorstep. He's got some short flights to the the east coast of the United States, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but yeah, Vancouver is and uh, that area, and you, you're an hour outside Vancouver, yeah, a couple hours, yeah, yeah. So you got you got snowflake pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have loved uh, to compete, and I definitely had some good results. Like, obviously, Las Vegas Open and then the Seattle Open. Between the two of them, I think I had hmm. 500-something points just between those two. But you need the other two to also be Correct. that good to actually let you compete. Everyone is paying attention to it. Well, man, you see, you're one of those guys, and don't want to blow, any, blow smoke, uh, but you're one of those guys I'd love to see you how, where you would actually be if you got a full season like of just the biggest events. Like you just got to do the, the five biggest events in the United States and just to see what happened because you know, you're one of those guys who's like, everyone's just like respects as a really good player, but no one really knows how good. Cause you just don't get to smash it with the big dogs that often. It's just kind of, you rock up at LVO and you always do really well. Yeah. The best global ranking I've ever had was 18th. And I think Pretty I was good. 40 something this year. It's still very good. Like top hundred this season was this last, you know, twenty twenty two was a big deal. Like that, that yeah, it, was, was, it was a competitive year. Yeah, it was surprisingly getting bigger and bigger. This year is going to be ridiculous. Like this year is going to be bonkers. But anyway, let's jump in. We're going to be doing the Codex retrospective for the Tyranids. Now, this is going to be a pretty spicy one. Last week's was very spicy because there'd been so many alterations and changes to the Harlequin's book, and I'm going to be relying on Alex quite a lot to keep me honest on what has changed from this book because it has gone through, I think, five significant changes and nerfs, the last one being yeah, like about, right? taken out behind the shed and, and told to dig its own grave. Uh, it was kind of kind of insane. It's one of the biggest nerfs we've ever seen. Especially, it's probably the biggest nerf in ninth edition as well. Uh, Votan might be the only comparison. But mate, give us your first impressions of the Tyranid Codex when you read it for the first time. Oh my goodness, it was wild. Um, I had heard, like even before this, I had heard rumors of Gene Sealer Cult being very strong. Mm-hmm. And when Gene Sealer Cult came out, they were fine. Like, I actually think Gene Sealer Cult is like the best most balanced book that they produced for ninth. You can kind of see that in the fact that it's never been nerfed and it's almost never mm-hmm. been buffed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was getting all these rumors about like, oh, Tyranids are going to be really, really strong as well. I'm like, yeah, okay, you told me that about Jane Sailor Cult as well. Yeah. And then the Tyranid book actually dropped and I was just like, it was so much to take in. All of the numbers were so ridiculous. Like some of the stat <laughs> lines, you were just like, are these real? Dude. And then the- some of the ones with the most absurd stat lines weren't even the things that made the cut. Correct. I, first time I saw it, I looked at the Tyranid Warrior, and then I looked at the points, and then I looked back at the Tyranid Warrior, and then I closed the PDF, and I was like, this can't be real. This has to be fake. Oh, <laughs> 20, 25 points originally for that stat line was great. With was free like, everything. Yeah, and then free everything, and... It was like, all right, yes, I think talents. Wow, five attacks. That's nuts. And then you saw the bone swords, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, wait, hold on. Why are they just all walking around four attacks with power so- or power fists that yeah. don't have negative to hit modifiers? <laughs> like, why am I paying whoa. 35 points for a blade guard when this guy's 25 points? 
has more yeah. toughness, has more save, as in like not a better armor save, but he has, you know, feel no pain on demand in the same invuln a lot of the time in Leviathan and has a great gun. Mm-hmm. It was so crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then uh, you look at some of the stuff in here and you're just like, like, what's a good example? Um, the Maliceptor? The Maliceptor? Oh, <laughs> Dear my god, oh my god. I'm trying to think about stuff that didn't see play. Like stuff with oh, really yeah. silly stuff. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess it did kind of see play in the beginning, but it doesn't very shortly it, everyone realized that oh, holy crap, there's stuff that's even better, and that's like the screamer killer. Yeah. You look at the screamer killer stat line and you're like, holy crap, 10 attacks, 11 on the charge, core, so it can like hit on twos if you mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. It was so nuts, and it still wasn't making the cut in like the top list. Well, dude, uh, there was seven players taking two units, which is way of representation for the moment, at a European event this weekend just gone, and most of them were taking card effects. There, there, there was a guy whose list I reviewed on my on my other show that uh, he had he had eight he had eight screamer killers. That was his yeah. list. He I think the, now that everything else has been brought in line, that the, the card effects are kind of like better than they were in the past comparatively yeah. to yeah, the rest of the book. Uh, so, but yeah, your first impressions were oh. It was wildly overpowered, and I knew what was coming. But at the same time, like, okay, I don't actually want a Codex to be that strong because mm. I once I had the Tyrion Codex, I very quickly became bored because games were not interesting. <laughs> um, but the flavor, like everything else about the book, is really, really good. Mm. The flavor of how the spells worked and the the uh, synaptic cell tower and the hyper adaptations that you could pick. The specific, the secondary adaptation every game, yeah. like it was very flavorful. It was very Tyranids. I really, really liked it. It just was cooked on power level. <laughs> it, it was. It is the most Tyranid book that Tyranids have ever had. It is. Is yes. it the best Codex they've ever had? Oh, yeah, by, by a magnitude. Um, yeah. Where are they at now? Um, I mean, it's funny playing them now, and like I think they just overshot on the nerfs, the most recent ones, because yep. you can see that the core mechanics of the army are still really good. Like, there's still mm. things you can do that feel really abusive, like casting uh, Onslaught on your unit that advanced, like, 40 inches away, yes. because you <laughs> bounced it through seven different Synapse mm. creatures, and it was compl- it's unstoppable, and it went off on 3d6. Like, there's still that, like, little hint bottom of the barrel of, like, we know what this codex used to do, it's just that they went like too hard on points, and now the things you're doing are being applied to something that's way overcosted. Mm. Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, I, I really, I don't like where they're at now. I think that they their nerf. So, and somewhat, I somewhat believe the same thing with Votan. Like their nerfs were overs. The last, the last ones were, um, in that they were pretty much got kicked while they were. While they, well, Votan got kicked while they were down. Tyranids literally got the biggest most substantial points hit I've ever seen um, mm-hmm. in, the history, in the history of the game. They went from uh, some people were telling me that they, that their lists went up 800, 800 points. Like usually uh, it's just, that's absolutely nuts. Yeah. The list that me and John ran at uh, LVO went up. I think it was about 380 points, but on top of that, two of the units just didn't work anymore. The mm-hmm. biovore and the spore assist. Cause you had mm-hmm. to pay for the spore mines. Yep. So it was like 380 points plus two of the units just simply don't function anymore. Non-viable. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, absolutely not to where they're at now. Uh, is there any play there? Is there any hope for the two units? Um, I don't know if it'll hit GT status, so I might not see anyone taking notice of it, but I will be going to an event next weekend. Uh, I will be taking Tyranids. 
Um, I think there is still some play in there. It's definitely a lot more uh, challenging. The thing that was always the mediocre spot for Tyranids was their secondaries. Mm-hmm. But secondaries don't matter when you can just nuke your opponent on turn three. <laughs> um, so now that you can't do that anymore, the secondaries are definitely more challenging. Yeah. And I'm playing a fairly like trade-heavy, a bit of a slower, bit of a grindier list. Interesting, because I would have thought that'd be a bad a bad play to play because I just didn't think they could have enough units to to play a trader game. So I'm interested to hear what you what you're doing, but maybe we'll we'll save that for part yeah, two. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll save it for part two because I, I know we've got some questions about what what is worth running. I, I, th- I think when people think about it, once we get there, I think this is the direction that a lot of people have already kind of been going in. Um, I don't think this is gonna like blow anyone's mind that I'm able to find this, but yeah. Well, give us the high fleets. Like, what, what high fleet are you playing? It's Gorgon. Cool. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm really interested to hear about that now. All right. So jumping in, for those who do not know how a retrospective works, we look through all the major sections of the codex from a top-down view. So much less, you know, a review-like than reading every line as we usually do when we've got a new codex. But we're looking down from the the top-down view at talking about the sections as a whole. So, for example, first one we're going to talk about is the High Fleet. I'm going to ask Mr. Alex Mackie D. Dougal, um, how do you feel about the High Fleets, mate? Has this been a good section, bad section, or media, or, or... Average section for the tuned player. Um, I think, generally speaking, I would say good. Uh, I think the only issue with it was that the overall power level of them was quite wide, like quite mm. a big difference. So, if you wanted to play competitively, it kind of just defaulted you into one or two. It's got the sisters. It's got the sisters' failure point, which is just like, oh, bloody rose exists, so therefore yeah. none, of the others, none of the others matter. It's got this yeah, has that's to be exactly a, right. The, Levi- <laughs> the Leviathan effect. The fact that Leviathan existed pretty much invalidated every other choice. It's it's taken them four rounds of nerfs to make Neviathan not the best choice all the time. It's still a good choice. <laughs> yeah, it's still fine. Yeah. There's just really nothing wrong with it. I actually think this this section is a failure because of that. Like it, it mm. actually it actually was so empty. But it's it's is it wild that I think that this is that I mean if Leviathan didn't exist, the 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 second best one is really up for debate. Um I Okay, this is weird. So I do think that Kraken was the the next best choice. Yep, uh, and kind of head and shoulders above the rest. But I think that was specifically because of the data sheets that were the best. Mm-hmm. Kraken utilized them most efficiently, and now that the data sheets are a little bit more um, on par with each other, some of the yep. others kind of bump ahead because. Mm-hmm. The, the gotta go fast stuff took the biggest hits. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Because, uh, yeah, like the, yes. you, you, mean, you mean like the um, Raveners, Warriors. Yeah, uh, they, Raveners and Warriors were just mm. so critical to Kraken. And now with mm. both of those getting hit really hard. Well, um, I can gen- I can generally okay. say in the last like three months, I have seen Behemoth, I've seen uh, Jormungandr, I have even seen Build Your Own varieties. Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, all of those are completely viable, and I think they're all pretty dang even in power level too. And there's still definitely a, like a r- variety of builds. Like you can do Behemoth because you want the strength, and then you go with um, the Adaptive for better cover. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you can run like ten to fifteen Tyrant Guard that are all strength seven with a Running Clause and sitting on a, a one up, zero, a zero, a zero up, up. Save. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's pretty wild, right? And then minus one to hit from a Venom. Veno. Yeah, it's actually it's actually really good. Um, but overall, like, all right. So my verdict was, I think this was a pretty mediocre part of the book, uh, mostly because it was so so polarized between you know good and bad. 
Um, and even mm-hmm. now, but but now I think it's a win. Now I think it's a win. Yeah, yeah. The overall writing was good. It, mm-hmm. Like if you look at every single one of the high fleets, they all had something relatively cool in a warlord trait or a relic. Yeah, it was just the, <laughs> yeah, Hydra doesn't make any sense. Um, uh, sorry, that's, I think Hydra. No, you're right. I think Hydra is the one <laughs> actual just like oh, this doesn't make huh. Huh? None of this fits together. Why? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Not even thematic. That's yeah, weird. Each time, yeah, if you like outnumber your opponent, but we're gonna we're gonna give you the outnumber the opponent, but also we're gonna make the two worst units in the book Hormagons and Termagons. Exactly Sorry. right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, you're so disincentivized. But anyway, moving on to the infinite biomorphologies. And this is a really interesting way. You want to break this down how this works because you when you pick your trait, let's say you picked your chapter tactic for ultramarines. Yeah, cool. You get to fall back and shoot, and then you get a little table that tells you which you can pick from. Is that correct? Um, has this been a good part of this overall design or has this been a bit of a weaker bit or a bit of a more confusing part? Um, this was really good out of the gate because you could change it game by game. That's true. So it felt very tyranny that they were like evolving to the, uh, opponent they were up against. And it meant that even some of the weird ones would see play because you go, Oh, Ooh, that's not as good as the usual one normally, but in this situation, Mm -hmm. it's actually a benefit. Um, as soon as they took that away, then it became a failure because there was usually one or two that were just head and shoulders above the rest. Exactly right. In the sense of, I need one to consistently be good over the next six games. Spot on. When you're signing up to a, a GT, you're not going to take the chance that the skew into the one that's yeah. better into Tau is going to oh, pay yeah. out. Oh, right? this one pays off one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to take the one that gives you the most even result. And so that was a huge nerf. I actually wish they'd get rid of that now. I, I think that the, the, the power level of the book is at such a state they could undo that one and give them back I that agree. flavor flavor, of, flavor piece. Yeah, it's flavorful. It's, mm. it's very like, oh, they've hit the planet and they know exactly what they're up against and the critters that have been spawned for this fight know what to do. Yeah, it, it, it's it's probably the most thematic part of the book, right? And it's just kind of not even a not a thing. Mm-hmm. A bit disappointing. Uh, but overall, I love the design. I think it's cool. I think it was a really cool design piece. I think it was great. Uh, up to the strats, mate. Give us your TLDR of the stratagems and give us a couple of your go-tos. Oh, man, the stratagems were fire. <laughs> I Busted. Mean, yeah, some of them were, like, obviously broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember reading Encircle the Prey, its original version, and I was oh just like, "Oh my god!" So this is overrun, but better, better. and with no restrictions. Correct. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what if you could just not trade? What if you could just take your pound of flesh and then Bail. get hit back? Yeah, no repercussions. I'm out. See ya. And the way it worked is, it was like it was so silly in the fact that you didn't even have to use it for like raw damage output. You could just use it for utility. You mean, because it was yeah. at the end of the turn you're like oh well that guy ran over there way across the board dropped a banner and then left Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it's it's unbelievably bonkers what are some other ones though uh i liked a lot of the utility ones i mean overrun is still like my favorite strat um i i'm a huge fan of that one uh i like shardler hit it with a synapse creature from range and then you got a better charge yeah love charging i liked being able to manipulate that and i thought it was thematic of like the synapse creature shoots a living organism out of all of their guns. Yeah. So it was like a marker for the rest of the fleet to run at. It's cool. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, I like Swarm. I like regenerating gaunts. I, I, do, I love that one as well. I think it's extremely good. Um, but yeah. apart from that, like none of them really... Those, yeah, those are pretty much it, yeah? Yeah, there's a couple of their cr- yeah. cute ones. I like that Death Frenzy was finally yeah. fixed, that your monsters could fight on death at top bracket, at top so bracket. they weren't like pillow-fisting people as they died. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm so annoyed that knights don't do that. <laughs> it's so annoying. Oh, they but, don't. Oh, no. they, they, yikes. Uh, but yeah, I think I think generally speaking, it's a pretty good suite. But there are hey. some. There are. Uh, there are like about half of these you're never going to use. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of them that were attached specifically to, um, like a specific data sheet. It was like this one is only for Hormagons, although yeah. this is really good. But this one is only for this monster, and some of them were like so underwhelming. Like, um, uh, what is it, Observer Organism for yep, the Exocrine? Yep. It's like, oh, you score additional hits on a six, uh, uh, on modified six to hit. Like, yeah, but it's a gun with only seven shots. Are you really going to spend <laughs> a CP for one extra hit? Yeah, no. you're not. <laughs> Yeah, but the, this had two of the, I mean, over, between Overrun and the Circle of the Prey on release were two of the best stratagems in the game. And Overrun was was the best stratagem up until it's still the best stratagem. It's still the best stratagem in this book. They just can't use it on the on the, the busted ass flyer anymore. Yep. All right. Uh, so they're absolute win. Adaptive physiologies. Give us the uh, breakdown here. Um, this was one that I never really got into too much. I think there was overall. I would say that this one was a bit of a flop me too um the always four plus on a bug was just like clearly the best and then the rest were kind of cute it's it's not even close like just slapping dermic symbiosis on a was usually a harpy yeah typically that was usually the the shot i think now some people do it to their turvagon yep i like that actually actually, that's pretty cool yeah um i did see voracious ammunition every now and then yeah, I think Voracious Ammunition was the second most common. It, again, it was like kind of cute. And you would put it on something that was um, not like a main gun. Like yep. the Tyrannifex, Turvagon, they have the Stinger Salvo. Mm. So a lot of times it was like, well, I'll shoot the main gun over here. And then I'll have a secondary gun that can shoot here. And I can just up the damage on something that's normally kind of trash. Yeah. Yeah, I, I those are the only two that I've, I've ever seen. But Dermis Symbiosis was like a bread and butter. It probably still is. Uh, but yeah, this is overall, this is a big fail for me. Yeah, um, I mean, some of them were relatively cheap, but they just didn't really do much. Mm. And so, you just yeah. had, it, it was like, well, you're going to pay 25 points on one of these, or you're going to take another warrior. You're going to take another warrior. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on, on release, you yeah. Now, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot more. But uh, next up is the Warlord Traits, and this is a pretty good section. Yeah, I, I definitely, I was pretty down with this. I had, Honestly, I didn't use a whole lot of these. I kind of only defaulted to two, but mm-hmm. even the other, one, the other ones were Good. Uh, what were your go-tos? Uh, direct guidance and yep. alien cunning. Alien cunning. Alien cunning. I still think is busted. So this reads as uh, this warlord gains the uh, gains obsec, counts as five models, and can perform an action if they advanced or fell back. It is just you take it's either it's either death leaper or your parasite, uh, parasite and you just mm-hmm. make them into one of the best utility characters in the game. Especially on Parasite, where she can also take away the opponent's mm-hmm. objective secure. That's so good. It's one of the hardest flipping tools. Wow. I get people so all the time, they're like, yeah, but then she just dies. I'm like, yeah, but she just got you like an eight-point swing. Eight point it swing. was worth it, believe and, me. And she may have left some rippers behind on the way out, you know? Yeah. Uh, the health about direct guidance. Uh, plus one to hit, good. It turns out it's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the amount of things in this book that were core. Uh, yeah. Uh, which was like everything. Like everything. when this book came out, it was just like another reason for Necron players to be like mad at GW. It was, right? <laughs> but it was just after this that Necrons got... No, was it just before this or just after this and Necrons were good? Oh, I th- no, think... No, I think it was just after this. Because yeah. it, ne- it was the summer update where they yeah. dropped the book where Necrons they, got more core. And they nerfed uh, Custodes. 
Yeah, and they give them the good secondaries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so funny. This is absolute win of a section. I think it's great. Um, yeah. Hive mind discipline, dude. How good is it? Um, it basically didn't change from the last book, and it's still super good. I would say this is one of the best spell lists in the game. I think it's the second best. If if not if not the second best, the third best. Only, literally only behind Doom and Doom Jinx. Sorry, not Doom and Jinx. Um, Doom Guide Fortune. Like, yeah. because Fortune is essentially the same as Catalyst, and then Guide and G- and Guide and Doom. There is no nothing of comparison to those two in here. Um, no. Especially Doom is just ridiculous. That's the only one I think is better than this. That, so that's obviously better than this. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard people say. Actually, I think it's uh, Chuck from Best of Faction say like when he was playing Chaos back in the day, I would trade my entire psychic uh, rule set just to have Doom. Just to have Doom. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. Yeah, whole armies would, uh, whole factions would like throw out half their strats, all their wall of traits, all their psychic powers, just like just to have Doom. Um, all right, but what's what are the auto takes here? Because as far as I can tell, it's all of them except Tara. Yeah, I my current list has four psychers. I have Catalyst twice, Onslaught twice, just for redundancy if one of the mm-hmm. monsters goes down. Um, I have Paroxysm once. I think I have Psychic Scream once or twice, mm-hmm. and I have Neuroparasite once. Crazy. Yeah, just just everything's to the heart. It's yeah. everything. It's yeah. no Overwatch. It's uh, minus one to wound roll. Oh, mm-hmm. so strong, mm-hmm. especially if you've got that on a monster going in. Dude, Paroxysm um, is, is amazing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, it can win you um, Seattle Open. <laughs> or, in my, or in my case, lose it. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't yeah. see the chain. I didn't see the chain. It was like four critters along, and I could have put Onslaught on a unit of John's Pyrovores. Oh, no. And shut it down. I don't know if that mm. actually wins me the game, but it really swings it in my favor. Fair. And I didn't, and I lost a whole unit of Raveners and Overwatch to the uh, uh, Pyrovores. You hate to see it, mate. Yeah, I hate yeah. to see it. Um, but as far as the Hotmart discipline, we're both in agreement. This is like an S tier discipline. Mm, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, relic section. It's not getting any. <laughs> it's not getting any worse. No, uh, this relic section was absolutely yes, insane. Yes. There's like a couple stinkers in here, but pretty much everything else. It's like, oh, that's good. That's well, really good. I do love that a lot of it's getting used now. Like I'm seeing double, um, double Warcrant. Uh, Hive Tyrant build with Belthorn and Shard Gullet. Uh, we we know we've seen double Flyerant build with Reaper and More Claws, and then like Resonance Barb has always been a go-to as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I used to put Resonance Barb on my um, Nerthrope, which made it just absolutely silly. Hmm. Um, Reaper for Blitterax obviously was just like an auto take. I mean, arguably still an auto take. I think it still is. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it's, it yeah. got better. Mm-hmm. Because they changed it to any kind of wound reduction is also ignored. So stuff yeah. like hitting with minus one. Um, mock claws are insane. Um, a lot of the other ones were kind of left behind, but I only think that's because of the overall power level of the others. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, Reaper got a, uh, got better again with uh, Armor Contempt going away. I mean, I, I, I bloody um, stonewalled the Reaper with one-up Armor Save Terminators once. Like just rolled mm. sixes out of my out of my skin, and I'm just like, "Yep, sure, see you later." Can't even do that now. Just straight on through. Yeah. Um, so, can you tell me? So, this is a question for you guys at home, as well as Alex. Can you tell me another faction where you want to take the the relic weapons? Just just name one other relic weapon apart from Teeth of Terror. I, I'm Wormtooth. Is that a weapon or is that just a? 
It's technically an uh, ammunition. The, the, the Kalamovs. Well done, Alex. Who, who's so clever? <laughs> <laughs> no, only one I can think of is the Kurnov's bow, specifically for Halo Doom, Asuriani. Mm. I can't really think of any others. Yeah, typically speaking, I think it's always been the case that the utility relics are the mm-hmm. best relics. And in this section, the weapon relics are so freaking amazing that they're just that much, they're just good enough to take. Like yep. people are slapping more claws on a freaking Turvagon, mate. That guy is no joke. I know. It should be I, a joke, but it's I not. I have <laughs> hit the dream at this point, which is I went in on a unit with 22 attacks. That's absurd. Yep. That is absolutely absurd. Oh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, absolute ST Relic section. To my mind, probably the best section in the book right now. Yeah, I didn't really... They've, I don't think I've ever seen them nerf a relic, so the overall power of the relics has never changed. It's just well, only Reaper. Reaper, Reaper, Reaper got changed. Only three models. Right? Oh, that's right. Um, next up, we have the lovely, lovely uh, secondaries. <laughs> uh, like I said, these are not good. Um, but we're going to have a little deep dive right now. Uh, let's have a little look at these and how they're, how they're doing. So I'm just going to tick the Tyranids. Let's, ha- let's have a geese, mate. Cranial Feasting, tell, tell us how this goes. Uh, cranial Feasting is a curse against any opponent that knows what they're doing. Um, so <laughs> it is Assassinate, but only in combat. You get a one-time uh, generate three victory points if you get a command point, and you get a command point if you roll a four-plus after killing a character in combat. Um, mm-hmm. Or a six plus if you killed a sergeant in combat, um, and then it is one point for every unit champion, three points for every character. The problem, of course, is that a lot of the times Tyranids have a lot of incidental damage on the way in. You had Despiters off Warriors and Raveners that could do yeah. one or two bodies of wounds. You had tons of mortal wounds coming out of the army. That hasn't really changed. People just start killing sergeants. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you're, you, you, as soon as you take this, you are disincentivized to use so many of your rules. Yep. You're like, I ain't playing the psychic phase apart from casting this one catalyst because if I smite, he's going to pick up that guy I need to kill to get my points. And you're just pretty much telling your opponent how to beat you. Yeah, so this is, this is, a, this is a win. This is like a win more. If you're going to table your opponent, sure. Every other time, yikes. Uh, next one, Synaptic Insight. You know what? Never heard of this one. Tell us about it. Um, this one doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's just worded so poorly, mm-hmm. uh, and it's really challenging to do. You are killing with synapse creatures, which yep. used to be more common because you had warriors and there was just synapse creatures all over the place. But the way they break it out kind of means that you need to be like doing large quantities of damage. And you'll probably run out of the ability to gain your points later in the turn, or in, mm-hmm. la- in later turns. Um, each time an enemy model is destroyed by a sign model from your army, if that enemy model had a wounds characteristic between 3 and 5, add yep. 1 to your snap to kill points tally. 6 yep. and 9, 2, over 10, 3. So you're getting no points for killing little stuff. You're Zero. only getting points for killing mid-range or higher stuff. A Terminator or better is literally what I've read there. That's That's it. Yeah, it was really odd, and they had it capped to twelve. Yeah, <laughs> this should be a this should there should be no cap on this, and you should get something for killing one point one point guys. Like you just really should. Yeah, to a certain amount. Uh, so, yeah, to a certain them. amount. It, it shouldn't be 
uh, wounds characteristic of. It should just be yeah. once you've killed this three many to five wounds. wounds. Correct. Yeah, exactly. exactly right. Yeah, three wounds worth of anything gives you one one thing. Because um, as, as it says right now, only time this might be okay is maybe against demons, like in the current meta. Maybe against demons, like when they've just got like fiends and flesh, like well, not even flesh, just like fiends and flamers and skull cannons and greater demons. Sure, maybe, but then like then you're just writing on your list which ones of them they have to kill immediately. It's stupid. It's bad. Um, yeah. I always thought they should have a Warcraft one. They should have like a the amount of oh, the yeah. amount of psychers you get into Shadows of the Warp range, you get points or something. Like that, that yeah, would be sick. Or something like spells denied. Yeah. Oh, dude. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, the amount of times people fail spells within Shadows of the War Branch. Like, yeah. That would be sick. And then, then they've got to be like, oh, geez, I have to run away from this. Or I'm giving them points, and then I'm running away from my casting. You know, uh, I can't do warp ritual because if I fail it, uh, I'm screwed. I'm taking negatives, and I'm giving points. This is horrible. Yeah, that kind of stuff would be hilarious. Uh, and then the last one is spore nodes, which I'm going to read out for you guys. Um, if you select this objective, Hive Tendril troops uh, can start to form following actions. So troops only. Now, we've already determined, now that warriors suck, pretty much all the troops suck. Uh, maybe gargoyles. I like gargoyles still. Um, seed Spore Node action. One, oh wait, are gargoyles troops? Yes. Cool. I, was, I tripped out for a second. How fast are they? One Hive Tendril troops unit from your army start from this action at the end of your movement phase. Uh, from the second battle onwards, if within six of your opponent's deployment zone and not within six of any Spore Node objective uh, markers, see below. The action is completed at the end of your own turn. Uh, if you completed, place an objective marker anywhere within one of that unit that completed the action. It represents a Spore Node, but do not count toward, as an objective marker for any rules purposes. And you score four VP each time you do this action. Good lord. Yeah, it's really an odd one it's kind of like behind enemy lines but just, that's like the direction you're going but you have yeah. to get there while doing an action and it's just really easy like once you have told your opponent what you're doing you know, i have to perform actions on Dude. your deployment edge or your so, deployment zone they're just gonna go like oh and it's only troops you say <laughs> mm -hmm. okay yeah there are like three levels of t's and c's wrong with this when you compare it to bind enemy lines, because bind enemy lines is any unit, troops is just the troops, and I mean you're not doing this with warriors because if warriors are within six of your opponent's deployment zone, they're going in. There's, you're sending them in to kill something, and so <laughs> if you do this once with a unit, never being done again. And that's as soon as you do it once, any competent opponent is like, "Wow!" And so are you telling me if I just kill those other two units of ten really squishy guys, uh, you get a four on that? Fair enough. Yeah. Let's let's do that. Let's go about that, shall we? Like it's so bad, man. Yeah, and the the units that can do that outside of warriors, uh, being you know gargoyles, termagants, and hormagants, the they have th that's weirdly all three of them are bad at it, and they're all mm -hmm. bad at it for different reasons. Different reasons. It's tragically shit. I just connected my headphones. Um, the termagants are too slow. Yep. The gargoyles are too expensive. Correct. And the hormagants are too valuable. Too valuable. You need, if you're you that need close, them. the mm -hmm. same thing as the warriors. Send Sending them in combat. <laughs> Gum them up. Use those use those pylons and consolidates to tear down banners. Turn turn off objectives. Sorry, take away primary. That kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. It's it's so so wild. Anyway, the secondaries are bad and have always been bad, as far as I can tell. All right, jumping into the data sheet abilities. We have, we've we've smashed through this in pretty pretty quick order, guys. Hopefully, it hasn't been too too quick for you. Uh, but. Anything to know about here? We've got like Shadows in the Warp, Swarming Masses, Death from Below. Any of these worth mentioning or talking about? Um, 
I mean, I think they kind of messed up with Synapse with it being only six inches mm-hmm. of range when the rest of their distances are much larger. Fair. Um, <clears throat> although there is a lot more Synapse out there with the current list. Mm. But I don't know, even like nine maybe. Um, I like Shadows in the Warp. 18 inches is a huge aura. And it's, it's a minus one to cast, mm-hmm. and the additional mortal on perils. It all feels very flavorful. And then swarming masses is the best. Engagement <laughs> range of two and a half inches. Well, that's yeah. how it should be when you've got it a is. wall of flesh coming. It down. really is. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's really cool. Um, I love how they had to put in like like this diorama to explain how synaptic synaptic links work. But please feel free to take a minute and tell us what the hell synaptic links are and are they any good. Uh, Synaptic links are the thing that's still in the game for Tyranids that is completely untouched from the book. Uh, it's one of the only things, yeah. And it is still busted. It is so damn strong. Mm-hmm. Cast a spell. Do you have another Synapse creature within 12 of that caster? Cool, your range is now 24 inches in that direction. And you can just continue to do that as far as you want to go. I have made some absolutely janky stuff happen with like Parasite and Warriors, and you're just like casting catalyst on a unit that's in the backboard a mile away from the narrow throat. Yeah. Oh man. Absolutely bonkers. Like the first, so when the, I was in the, I was in the stream house, the trap house when this book first came out and I saw the first couple of games where John was literally breaking people's brains as he would like yeet a, um, Yeet a hive tyrant to see around a corner, and then his double maliceptors would annihilate three units, and then the hive tyrant would charge, kill a unit, and go back to the lines. And then Jack was like, "I just lost a third of my army, and I have no recourse." Yeah. This feels this feels bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this this is like a big skill check for the tuning players, right? This is one of the huge things to master. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's the most challenging thing to master, but I think mm-hmm. it's a requirement. If you are going to play Tyranids well, you have to use this efficiently. And you do have to kind of have that planning ahead of like, okay, where is what going to be on the next turn? Yeah. How do I get the chain going? And I think that's one of the reasons why, outside of just generally she's really good, the Parasite is so critical. She can fill a lot of gaps if you're like, oh, I don't actually think I can get where I thought I was going to get. Maybe a mm. monster had to walk around a wall and suddenly they had to go backwards a touch, and now the the chain is broken. Yeah. Well, Parasite moves 16 plus in advance, just run her into whatever, and you're fine. Totally, totally agree. Have you got any, like, uh, you got, like, uh, Mackie D's three hot tips for synaptic goodness? Um, yeah, I think it's... The most simple tip would just be to kind of understand where the really important synapse creatures need to be and yep. work around that. Some of those don't get to move much. You might have a hive tyrant that is your warlord. You can't lose your warlord anymore because you lose your synaptic imperatives. Um, so it has to stay a little bit back. It has to stay beside the uh, tyrant guard to not mm-hmm. get shot. And that's kind of the hub. And then other things can move around that tyrant because they can hide behind walls. They can hide in yeah. non-tyrant guard stuff. Um I think the next tip would be, again, like really looking at that next turn. Like, I've got two units. One of them is a synapse unit that's going to go on a journey and go on, like, go and attack something. I'm going to lose that synapse. That's gonna, that chain will be broken. Is there some mm-hmm. way I can fill that gap with something else? 
Um, you asked for three. Let's see if we can get three here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's the two main ones. It really is just like a think, a very chess-like thinking ahead yeah. for the next uh, piece of positioning. And maybe the next, the last one would be um, being willing to use some of these stratagems that you don't think about, like encircle the prey to reposition. Yeah. Synapse. Plus, plus synapse. Yep. Yeah, like, hey, you know what? There's nothing near these zone throws. I'll just pull them off the board this turn and I'll deep strike them exactly where I need them next turn. I love that. Yeah. Just precision redeploy, essentially mid game. Yeah. I think that's very important. All right. Moving on to the last section of rules before we talk about some data sheets. Uh, synaptic, imperative, synaptic imperatives. Now, this was the rule that I didn't really think they needed. I thought they already had more than enough garbage to throw at me. I literally, I looked at their the previous one, the Synaptic Links. I'm like, oh, there's their monofaction bonus. That's cool. And then they gave them a monofaction bonus, <laughs> and I was incredulous because these are bonkers. Give us the breakdown. How do these work? Uh, this again goes through your uh, synaptic chain through what we've just described with mm-hmm. the uh, the the link, the synaptic link range. But the wording was kind of strange. They said, like, one character or each thing that is synapse on the board carries with it this ability. Mm -hmm. When you decide to trigger that ability for the turn, all of the synapse creatures gain that uh, hub that they're giving to all of the other critters. Um, If you lose that unit, you do not get to use it in later turns. If you were, like, banking, you say you had one unit of warriors sitting Mm -hmm. in the back and they get pegged with indirect fire or something... You do not get to use that synaptic imperative later, um, unless you're Leviathan, because then you still get to just continue Yay. on. Um, but most of these are either solid utility, mm-hmm. or they are just incredible, incredibly strong. Um, obviously, the most common one that we saw in every single list, which guaranteed they were in every single list forever, was the Zoanthropes. Yeah, um, yeah, a four plus invulnerable save army wide is just crazy. Absolutely. I mean, it's five plus on the non-monsters, but yeah. not still, still nuts. This, so you look at like Necron protocols, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then you look at this, and, yeah. and then you like a single tear goes down your eye for the first Codex of the edition because this is this is where they got to with essentially the same concept. Because they, the so you you have to you put your protocols in order at the start of the game, and then they become you get an aura of that from your nobles, of which. You don't want to take any of. They all suck. Um, whereas these guys, you just take the unit and then the auras gets given out by every other relevant unit. So, so it might as well be army-wide. It's kind of ridiculous to think of how far this thing comes. Because this, I believe this is the best version. But I don't know what it could be comparable would be the uh, AdMech one. Um, <laughs> so what are the autotakes here? The autotakes was the Zoanthropes. What else? Zoanthropes, Narrowthropes, which is plus one to cast, plus one to mm-hmm. deny, five plus mm-hmm. against mortal wounds. Incredibly strong. Um, I guess suppose if we're really looking at it, the hive tyrant one was sort of an auto include, but that was only because every list had two hive tyrants. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, but that was a uh, fallback in charge, which is still very strong. The Trigon Prime was garbage. That was probably one of the only bad ones. Tyranid warriors were fantastic, exploding sixes in combat. Um, Maliceptor perform an action and still advance. Fall back and still perform an action. Yeah. Um, shoot and still perform an action. Oh, dude, it was really good. It was nuts. Uh, Parasites is cute. The additional pylon, yeah, pylon or consolidate, make an additional three inches. It doesn't seem like much. Suddenly you've got a nine inch pylon with Hormagons. Mm-hmm. 
you can touch a lot of army with that. Dude, <laughs> you can touch so much army. Um, but yeah, I, I legitimately think this is the only part of the book that might be better than the relic section. In fact, I'm going to say that it is. I'm going to say this is the best part of the book. This is literally think, the best. I think it has the most raw power in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Moving down to the data sheets. We know how good they were on release. Which are the good ones now? Um, it's a little harder to figure out. Um, like the winged hive tyrant is definitely still very strong. Yep. Um, but it is very expensive. It's like two thirty-five, I think, for the most common build. Mm-hmm. And of course, before it was, well, you go in, you get damage, and then you leave. Cool. You could do that probably a number of times before you either fail your charge or something happens. So you're always going to be trading up. Mm. Kind of the same thing with overrun. Now that those are both gone. I find it's going to be pretty rare that a winged hive tyrant is going to get to go in, do its 235 points worth of damage, generally yeah. speaking, yeah. and be able to make even a fair trade. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, the mobility is still very powerful, but I don't know if they're just like, I mean, they're just not, there's not the auto include that they used to be. Totally agree. Um, I look at the, I look at the walking hive tyrant, the walk right now for 180 or 190, 195, depending which which gun you want to give it at mm-hmm. I mean it still moves nine inches. At toughness eight, 12 wounds, two plus armor with a four plus invulnerable save. That guy's a tank. He's he's a Lehman Russ. Yeah, and they um, still hit hard in combat too. Ex- right, exactly right. They still hit really hard in combat. Give out all your buffs. I think it is the obvious pick now. But the pick is whether you take one flyer and, and one walker in, or two walker in, or you know where do you go? Um, well, my list has a hive tyrant and a swarm lord. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. The swarm lord, I don't think, is fantastic for his points, but he has a niche role in the way I'm building mm. my list. Correct. Um, do you still take neurothropes as well? Oh, yes. Those are not Honestly, all these things went up like crazy amounts of points. Like Carnifex has went up 15. Like every yeah. Carnifex style data sheet went up 15 universally. Hive tyrant. Or flying half went up twenty. A bunch of unused stuff went up twenty. Like, I think some of the monsters that no one gave a crap about went up twenty. Mm. And then the Nerothrop went up ten or five. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to what they did to the poor Zoanthropes, yeah, not even a, not even Ooh, compar- yeah. com- comparably. Uh, tell me about the troop section. I see people debating this the most. To me, like I said, I love the gargoyles, but I do agree they are expensive. But hey, everything's expensive now. Yeah, I mean, warriors are a one of for me now. Mm. I just want this, the imperative, um, and I'm taking them bare bones. I'm taking double scything talons and oh, wow. devours. Yep. Um. Again, like I was saying, I'm playing Gorgon, so I usually stick them with Toxin Sacks, um, so they have access to the Gorgon strat. Um, but yeah, Wild. they're just they're just running around as a little hit squad, an extra little bit of synaptic impar- or synapse range, mm. <clears throat> and I just want that that imperative for a turn. Termagants are fine; they've always been just there. Um, I'm running a Turvagon as well, Wild. so I usually just use them to string out and grab objectives, and then I can just replenish them over time. Um, I think Hormigons are the best one now. And I I generally think Hormigons are not. See, man, would it kill? Would it kill all the little bugs to go down a point or two? It wouldn't. It wouldn't break the game at all, right? I think what they could have done and what they should have done because they weirdly did it for warriors. Yep, was they did. Uh, we'll read it out. Um, 
Oh, no, it's in the back. I'd have to find it. Anyway, yeah, if you give Charonid Warriors Adrenal Glands, it's 15 points. <laughs> no matter if there's three or nine. So yeah. the more you have in the squad, the better value you get. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, why did that not make it to the Hormagons and Termagons? Correct. That is weird. Just make Adrenal Glands, like, uh, what are they now? I think they're two points a model. Just make them 25 points for an entire unit to have Adrenal Glands. Yeah, that's terrible probably. value at ten. Fantastic value at thirty. Uh, yeah, totally agree. I, I think there's no. I wish. I wish if if they were going to hit the army so hard, yeah, I wish they did what they did with Drakari and give them a lot, like throw them a bone at the same time. Like, you know, they might yeah. still. I they mean, might, yeah. I, think, I think the win rate for Tyranids, generally speaking, is about forty percent right now. Well, just so about no, enough like, that they could say like, okay, okay, here you go. They have been abandoned pretty hard, but you know, there were so many people playing them, like who. Just we're just playing them because they were the best. So there, there is that to it as well. But that brings us to the end of the relevant sections of the book worth talking about. Um, overall, this is this is a big question: Is this the Bex Codex of a ninth edition? Are we talking Rob Hatwer? on release? Just un, unnerfed or every codex ranked up against each other, unnerfed straight out of the book. So that's Dark Technomancers still there. That's full power light satyrs, void weaver, dumb dumb craps. Is this the best? Is this the granddaddy of Morphin Ninth Edition? I have a feeling that in a head-to-head fight, that Tyranids would beat Harlequins, the light, because mm-hmm. they got around so much of what light did. Correct. Like minus to hit, yep. invulnerable saves. Tyranids didn't care about invulnerable saves. However, against the field, I still think that Harlequins were the strongest book ever made. The only one. We don't have any data on because we got we got to feel all of those ones in the wild before. We don't know how busted Votan would have been. We don't mm. know if they would have just auto annihilated everybody. And I think <laughs> it's interesting because we can. The book is here. The book is unnerfed. If you have the Votan Codex, that is an unnerfed. You could just play that and see what would happen. Do you think they would do well into Tyranids? Oh no, they would have absolutely cleaned Tyranids out. Uh, the turn inside of the box were relying on Leviathan. Yep. And transhuman. And yep. Votan does not care about transhuman at all. That that is the they're the only so for my mind, Votan's the only one you could argue is better than Tyranids. I it, in the field, I think <laughs> it might just be a go first matchup versus versus Harlequins. It could very well be versus the nine void weavers. But like mm-hmm. if you go first with the double maliceptor, you just you just double maliceptor, double harpy, you just mortal out all the boats. Who cares? See you later. You're all gone. Yeah, um, maybe. Uh, but like Votan, deployment style, style, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Dawn of War, Tyranids go first. I'll give it to Tyranids every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Maybe you recover the relics, hammer an mm. anvil, where they can go super deep to the backboard, and it doesn't matter if you go first. Yeah, then maybe not. But and then the uh, the Votan. Well, look, uh, you bought you bought multiple units of nine warriors. What are we doing for? See you later, mate. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nice trans. It's a cute little transhuman you got there. Uh, but yeah, to two hundred and thirty point Hecaton Land Fortresses people, two hundred and thirty points is what they were going to be. <laughs> it's the price of a flyer in now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nuts. But anyway, on that note, we will wrap this one up. Where where did we put Tyrannies? I don't know if you've been paying attention. Where did I put Tyrannies in my most recent episode with my faction breakdown? I believe they're in the C tier. If I had, if I had to have a yeah. guess, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, they're not Imperial Fists. <laughs> that is true. You make a fine point there, sir. Um, I'm just pulling it up now. Yes, I got it up for us. 
da, 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 and Tyranids are in C-tier. Yeah, C-tier. They're right in the middle of C-tier. Between <laughs> Chaos Space Marines and Death Guard. That's, that's how the Mighty have fallen. They were the <laughs> ultimate supreme S-tier for about nine months. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I mean, they were crazy before that Codex came out. Dude, Crusher, like, oh, here's a question for you. Is Crusher the best um, formation or formation-like thing? Is it, does it, is it better than, like, War Convo, um, Battle Company, the, oh, the crazy ones of old? Cause it, so, no, 7th edition was so silly. Oh, it like, was so minus, silly, wasn't it? Minus one damage on monsters is real good, but you know what's even better is just a thousand points of free transport. But, hey, we got that now. So... <laughs> <laughs> there are space wolves lists that legitimately have like 800 free points it's yeah. it's pretty mental but anyway on that note mate we will wrap up and go over part two we're going to answer some lovely questions from our patrons hopefully you'll join us there if you have not already that is art of war down under over on patreon and are you, are you picking up any coaching at the moment mate yeah i've got a couple clients and I, i'm open to more i guess think is what the question you actually just it asked totally <laughs> was totally you, you got it mate well done uh we did it uh but yeah if you want some coaching especially some uh some uh tyranid level coaching uh you know who to talk to go over to that uh that art of war and uh get stuffs up some mackie d good times that's that's never mind i'm not gonna make any further choice about that. <laughs> leaving it in good night see you on the other side say good night mate have a good one guys thank you for listening to art of war down under a content review podcast for Warhammer 40k. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.